6, 7 and 8. I will flag when we're jumping so that you can follow. But we're beginning at Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. We're going to move now to chapter 7 and verse 20. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that moved along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And now if you scan down to, oh, over the page, I should say, to verse 18. So this is Genesis 8, 18. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord... And taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasant aroma and said in his heart, 
Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. Uh, Thanks, Lizzie. Uh, Good morning again, everyone. Uh, Do keep uh, those passages open. Let me pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we come to this well-known account today, we pray that you'd speak to us afresh. You'd remind us of who you are. You'd remind us of our need for you. And you'd remind us of our need to respond well to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Noah's Ark. Uh, A delightful cuddly children's book story to wistfully soothe our children to sleep. I mean, how did that happen? How did the total annihilation of all but eight human beings and two of each kind of creature, or seven if you're a clean animal, how did that annihilation become a colourful children's story? Uh, This is no children's story. Uh, This should be the stuff of horror stories, not bedtime stories. So evil is mankind that God is forced to end it all. Uh, This is not some kind of freak flood that shows the resilience of some people that manage to get through it, despite the adversity. No, this is a right judgment from God upon the absolute evil and sin and wickedness of humanity. Have a look at verse 11 of chapter 6. Now the earth, this is, sorry, slightly back uh, into chapter 6. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Uh, We saw last week, uh, if you were here, uh, you can listen online or or just read the the chapters before. Uh, We saw how true that this evil of mankind was true of them then and still true of us today before God. In fact, Noah is the only person in this account credited with anything other than wickedness. But... Even as soon as he and his family leave the ark, after the flood, God's assessment of mankind is still the same. Have a look right down to the end of our reading, chapter 8, verse 21. God smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Okay, so worldly uh, annihilation through a flood is avoided from now on, but people haven't changed. From childhood, every inclination of the human heart is evil. So let, as Nigel said earlier, let's not let these cute Bible storybook pictures influence this historical account. The world was and is dark 
violent and evil. And a terrible judgment falls upon all breathing creatures of that that time. And while God promises not to bring physical annihilation upon the earth again through flood while it exists, we'll look at that at the end, he does promise uh, not to bring a physical annihilation upon the earth, but he will still bring a spiritual judgment upon the earth. Sorry, a spiritual and physical judgment on the earth. But the earth will pass. This account is not just a story to put in our books for the past. It is a warning message for humanity today for the future. Don't take God as a fool, seems to be the message. And this account is just that. It's not just a story made up. It really happened. It's history. There was a great flood. There was a man called Noah. Uh, it takes a little bit of faith to believe uh, that that is the case. But most ancient civilizations have some version of a great flood that flooded the known world. And you'd expect that if there was a great flood that flooded the world, wouldn't you? There would be stories and accounts. The little bit of trust comes in believing the Bible's version to be correct and the others to be corrupt. And if you can find a few and dig a few out, it won't take much convincing to see that the Bible seems to be the most believable. Added to that, we know the rest of the Bible is so accurate and correct historically. It carries a weight of historical narrative. And of course, if we're Christians, we have seen it to be true in our hearts. So this is an account to listen to, to learn from, and to respond to. Uh, so what's, what's the main point? I think the main point is that God remembers. God remembers. Uh, as Moses wrote this account down uh, much later to the Israelites, what did he want his readers to take away? Now when we write a story or an account, uh, we tend to leave our main big point or the twist in the tale right to the end. But in Hebrew literature, that's not always the case. Often the main message would be right at the heart of the account. It's called a chiastic structure. Uh, Imagine an egg timer where all the details start to filter through. They go through the main point and then they filter out in exactly the opposite order. Now I'm not sure we should look for these everywhere in the Old Testament, but sometimes they're too hard to ignore. So I've done some frankly beautiful graphic designs on the PowerPoint to help us see through this. So this account seems to start uh, back in chapter 6 verse 10 and it starts with and ends with, right at the end in chapter 9.22, we're not getting that far today, with Noah's sons. Uh, Then they enter the ark, chapter 7 verse 1, and they leave the ark, chapter 8 verse 16, moving in. Seven days before the rain starts, chapter 7 verse 4, and then seven days more and another dove is sent out at the end, chapter 8 verse 12. Then seven days repeated, chapter 7 verse 10, and another seven days, chapter 8 verse 10, moving in, bookends as if you like, moving in towards this central point, but we're still not there. Then God shuts them in, chapter 7 verse 16, and then chapter 8 verse 6, Noah opens the window. 
Then there's a 40 days of rainwater and flooding, chapter 7, 17. And there's a 40 days repeated, chapter 8, verse 6. Mountains covered, chapter 7, verse 20. Mountains uncovered, chapter 8, verse 5. You're getting it. Flooding a total of 150 days, chapter 7. We're getting close, 24. Water receding for 150 days, chapter 8, verse 3. Look in your Bibles. We've reached a middle point. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Here we have found a point that isn't repeated. It's the centre of our story. But God remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him on the ark. And what did he do? He sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. It's a pinnacle turning point. Not just of the flood, but of our story and message here. God remembered the one he had favour on, the righteous one, and he saved him. He turned the tide. Rescue is on the way. God remembered. And by his wind, which is it's an echo of creation, where the wind, the spirit of God, hovered over the deep, now the wind comes again and brings deliverance. Now God remembering is not like us remembering. I can walk into a room and not have a clue why I'm there. I've even done that going to the bathroom. I had to leave again and then remembered. No, God is not one who forgets. God remembers because he cannot forget. What he has promised simply has to come true, so he remembers. Uh, It's an emphasis that God will keep his word and his promises. Just when Noah... Just as he's probably tempted, he's been on the ark for 40 days, however many, and he starts to give up on God. God, Perhaps God's forgotten his word. No, God doesn't forget his word. God remembers his word. Even when we're tempted to think he might not. And here God has promised a rescue plan. Verse 13 in chapter 6. Uh, But we see it a few places. God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So, make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. God's remembering him. I will judge, he says, but I will show mercy and favour. I will save, according to my promises, build an ark. We're about to see a bit later that God, uh, sorry, that Noah walked with God. But let's not be mistaken. Noah's actions do not save him, just as our actions cannot save us. I'm sure when the rain came, other people scrambled around and tried to build something to float on. It did not work. No, God saved. God saves. He remembers his promises. He shuts the ark door. He remembers and causes the wind to blow so that the land begins to dry. He gives every promise and instruction to Noah about what and when and how to do because God remembers and will deliver and save his people. Uh, In this modern world, it's not for you or I or anyone else to save ourselves. There's, There's no one and nothing else to cling to It's only God's promises in his word and the fact that he remembers that in Christ, Jesus can rescue us. It's our only hope. 
There's no other way. When we look towards final judgment, or when we're forgetting the hope we currently have in Jesus, uh, we need to return to God remembering. And we're going to sing a bit later that we're going to call on God in, in prayer. Remember your people. Remember your children. And God will. It's who he is. He cannot forget. Now, if God remembers and saves, what should we do? We cling on to that, but it's not just what Noah did. Noah also walked with God. Uh, Given a choice of characters in the story as we read through it, obviously we can't be God. Well, we want to be Noah, don't we? There's not many other options. We want to be loved and favoured and obedient to God. We want to know our loving creator. But what is it about Noah that we want or need to be like? Nigel's already talked about it already. Was he perfect in every way? No. Although he was righteous in the eyes of mankind, verse 9 of chapter 6, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. He was a good guy. But the description he gets in relation to God is not that he was righteous before God, but that he walked with God. What does walking with God look like? Verse 22 of chapter 6, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 5, and Noah did all the Lord God commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 16, the animals going in were male and female of every living thing, and as God had commanded Noah, then the Lord shut them in. Uh, Walking with God is to trust and obey the promises and the commands of God. If Noah just said, yeah, I believe, I trust you, God, that a flood is coming, but did nothing about building an ark following his command, well, he'd have condemned himself, wouldn't he? Some say today they believe and they trust in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. But do you walk with Jesus? Do you do anything about it? Do you avoid humble repentance, reading his words, striving to live for him, striving after godliness? Well, if you have no uh, intention to do so, you condemn yourself, don't you? As that reporter in Nigel's helpful illustration showed what he truly believed by his actions. To benefit from God's free salvation from judgment, we must walk with him. We trust his promises and we obey his commands, even when it's hard to do so. Uh, Back to Noah on the ark, been on there for weeks and weeks, still stuck on a stinky ark. It's raining, it's miserable, it's dark. Verse 6 of chapter 8, after 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up on the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find Noah to perch because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and he took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. Noah kept expectantly waiting, didn't he? 
He still had 110 more days to go, because he was on there for 150. And what did he do? Chapter 8, verse 10, he waited. Chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter, sorry, verse 12, chapter 8, he waited. Did he sit miserably, giving up on his faith in God because his word hasn't come true yet in my timing? No, he kept sending out birds. It's coming, everyone, don't worry. The new world is coming. Week after week, I'm going to send out a bird until one day it won't return. Trusting the word of God. Expectant of the new world to come. Until chapter 8, verse 16, God says, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. So Noah, as is fitting for him, follows the exact letter of God's command, even at the point of salvation, Come, Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. The exact words of God commanded and followed, walked by Noah. It is a new start for the one who walks with God. Noah didn't, couldn't save himself. God saved him by remembering his promised words. But the fruit of Noah's salvation is confirmed in his walking with God. Uh, We know Noah credited his salvation to God and not to his own actions by his obedience and also by the first action he does when he steps off the ark. Noah built an, uh, this is verse 20 of chapter 8, Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Almost every living creature has been annihilated from the earth. God in his foresight told him to take seven lots of clean animals so that the moment the ark is opened, a right sacrifice, more blood is shed to honour the Lord God. And it's that aroma of that sacrifice that causes God to make that astonishing promise in verse 21 of chapter 8. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, heat, uh, cold and heat, summer and winter, night and day will never cease. So, this is it. Now, people of the earth here today, you and me. As long as the earth endures, verse 22, Never again will God bring total annihilation upon mankind. This then is now the time where we can heed and hear God's word, isn't it? This is our opportunity. Despite mankind still, even after the flood, being described as every inclination of the heart being evil all the time, will we trust him and his word? Will we walk with him as fruit of our salvation? Or will we return to live for ourselves? You won't get another warning like this, says God. He's promised you won't get another warning like this, God said. The rainbow will remind you, you won't get another warning like this, says God in his word. And the New Testament is very clear that in the end Christ will return. And this account of the flood is to prepare us for it. It's like a modelling, if you like, of final judgment, where a completely new world will come. The new world will not be washed by water and cleaned. No, it will be destroyed by fire, as long as the earth endures. But it won't endure forever. 
It will be destroyed by fire, recreated by God in absolute perfection. This was a physical judgment. The next will be spiritual as well. So we read in Matthew 24, 37, Jesus himself says this. As it was, it's on the screen, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of a house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It's dramatic. (laughs) Uh, It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a children's story. Don't take God for a gullible fool. Next time... We will get eternally what we deserve. Be ready for Jesus, for his future return. Be like a watchman. Be like a faithful servant, so that even when his master is away, is busy serving and walking as Noah did for him. We do as Noah did. We walk with God. We're not earning our salvation That is God's work, God's gift. But if he has given that to us, the fruit will be seen in our lives as we strive to walk with him. We will show our trust in God by believing his promises from his word, by believing his promises of salvation through and in the Lord Jesus. And we will live for him, believing that he will judge, believing that only he alone can save Uh, Not this time encased in wood as Noah was, but this time through the Saviour hanging on a piece of wood. The one righteous man, Jesus, satisfying the wrath of God, the right wrath of God that we've seen in this account, so that he can then look at those who trust in him with favour, as he did with Noah. When we trust in Jesus, we believe his promises of freedom from judgment. When we put our trust in him, 
We obey his commands to repent, to turn from our sin, to walk in obedience to his commands as best as we can. Not to be saved because we are saved. We wait patiently. We open that window of hope. We send out birds every week of prayer. Come Lord Jesus, dry up this evil and barren land. Bring your new creation. I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm walking with you. Return to us, Lord, so we can join you in the new world that you have perfectly and eternally created so we can enjoy you forever. It's exactly what Noah did. Hebrews 11 verse 7 makes this comment about Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. He was warned. He heard God's word. He had faith in it, which simply means to believe what you haven't seen. He had a holy fear of God's right judgment. And so he obeyed. He built an ark. He trusted. He walked with God before his own understanding or his perception of the world around him. And what did he receive? He received an inheritance. An inheritance of what? Righteousness. He received what his faith made him in Christ. He became an heir to his righteousness. We may not be righteous, nor, nor was Noah before God, but through faith, In Christ, we walk with him and we receive his righteousness. Noah didn't earn salvation. He demonstrated he had salvation through faithful walking. And in return, he enjoys the righteousness of Jesus with him forever in the new creation to come. Are we ready? Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you, even though we deserve eternal judgment, you give us warnings such as the flood in Scripture, give us warnings such as your promises of judgment throughout the Scripture, and you also offer us salvation, your righteousness, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Please forgive us for the times we have sought to earn our own salvation. Please forgive us for the times when we have turned against your commands and will. Change us by your spirit to humbly repent before you and to seek to walk by your ways each day. May we cling to Christ as he hangs on the cross to take our rightful wrath upon himself so that we may inherit his righteousness and live in glory with you now and always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.